Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome listeners to episode 134 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast where too much talking to pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderton and I'm joined by a man who has recently submitted a case file to the Australian Supreme Court looking for a recount of the 2019 Australian Podcast Awards most popular podcast category after allegedly finding several hundred dumped votes for this very podcast in the stormwater drain around the corner from his house. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? Good, Robbie. Good, Robbie. Well, if... For the podcast awards, if we counted the legal votes, we win. The legal ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. the ones that were actually voted yeah. for at the time, not the drive-through votes. Not That's the, right. The the legal ones we win. The illegal ones, and then yeah, well, they're whittling away our, our lead a little bit. But but if we counted only the legal ones, we we definitely win podcast of the year. Especially in Pennsylvania, we've we found that in Pennsylvania that they're, they're really just getting closer and closer with what's going on. So anyway. exactly, and tell you what, and uh, and I think we've taken a leaf out of Nevada's book this morning with with the amount of time it's taken us to get this podcast and computer working. Fairly similar I, to the I vote counting in Nevada, I reckon. I do seem to remember a, a text message saying, uh, are you right for 9.30? Uh, yeah, yeah, no problems, 9.30. And and uh, the, the time on the play school clock now is 10.15. Oh, no, so, mate. All apologies from me, mate. Total apologies from me. Four, four computers, three Zoom links, and uh, and then, you know, one very entrepreneurial uh, 11-year-old then finally got you sorted out. Exactly. One Gen Z, and we got one click, and we got it fixed. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? We such are such middle-aged uh, white guys with no idea what the hell we're doing. Anyway. Total, total boomers, mate. Total boomers, us. Yeah. Uh, so how's your week been anyway, mate? You know, what's been, been a, happening? It's been all right, mate. It's been uh, – we had uh, – it was the Melbourne Cup this week, wasn't it? We haven't – we didn't have time for a pre-podcast chat as to whether or not we're going to talk about it, but I'll bring it up anyway. It's, it wasn't uh, – Oh, it was, you know, it's the nation, the race that stops the nation. But I don't know about you, mate. I'm not a huge fan of it. And there's a bit of controversy around it now with um, uh, another horse uh, passing away or having to be put down, uh, Anthony mm. Van Dyke. And then, of course, uh, Karen McAvoy being fined for, for whipping um, and uh, for, for excessive use of the whip, sorry. Um, mm. Biggest fine ever. So, I mean, how, was, how are the fashions on the field, though, Lewis? You know, and and what what did the what what did the quadrilla um uh, pool get up to? You know, that's the that's that's the real the real interesting stuff. That um uh, Christina's teacher last year um uh, Miss Davies she uh had quite a uh, quite a good take on it. She called it the uh, nup to the cup. Day. Yes, that's a common. I think that's a common thread that's going around. Nup, nup to the cup. It's all over uh, social media. Yeah, that that works really well for me. So, um, so yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the uh, it came and went. But uh, yeah, it was sad to hear that another uh, another horse had to uh, had to be destroyed. But yeah, definitely, Matt. I mean, and I, there's a bit of work that's been done. I mean, from a behavior perspective, I'm not obviously not really we're not really into horse stuff here. But I thought it might be interesting for the listeners to know about you know, the use of whips and that sort of. There's a fair bit of stuff being done by Paul McGreevy out of Sydney Uni. He's a behavior guy. Yeah. Um, and essentially he's done a, a few articles. One is, uh, is whip use important to thoroughbred race integrity? What steward reports reveal about fairness to punters, jockeys, and horses. And a little simple summary, you know, it's a, uh, obviously horse raising a multi-billionaire billion dollar industry, um, involving gambling animals. Fairness is essential to thoroughbred racing. It's referred to as racing integrity. Whilst there are comprehensive rules and regulations governing equipment and conduct, whip use is the most publicly visible enforcement of integrity in racing. As a tool for, in inverted commas, encouragement, whip use is believed to give everyone a fair chance of winning, including owners, trainers, jockeys, horses, and punters. As a tool for, again, inverted commas, steering, Whip use is also believed to be essential for the safety of the horse and jockey. However, the impact of whip use on steering safety has not been studied. This was a study, I think, done just recently in October. In this article, we compare inverted commas, whipping free races in Great Britain, where whips are held but not used, 
with the more commonplace whipping permitted races, so like the Melbourne Cup. Our analysis of Stewart's reports for 126 races involving 1,178 starters over three years found no statistical significant differences between stewards having anything to report, movement on course, interference on course, incidents relating to jockey behaviour or race finishing times. Our findings that whip use is not related to race integrity support the normalisation of whipping free races, which we expect to improve horse welfare and social acceptance. So pretty major article, that one, essentially saying, you know, they're comparing the two whip free and, and, and races where they use whips. Interesting, no change in the race finishing time. So they're not, not running any faster. No, no. Because of the whip, which is, yeah, which is often, often it's, it's talked about encouragement. It's talked about safety. It's talked about steering. Um, and I think he did another study as well where he looked at horses, you know, going uh, counterclockwise versus anti, uh, anti versus clockwise around a track and found that uh, it didn't matter that uh, jockeys still held the whip in the same hand. So it's possibly not related to steering. It's just a good, a good reason to try and uh, justify the use of the whip. So, yeah, so- uh, my- my 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 way of trying to revolutionise the uh, the horse racing engine. Uh, I've got a, I've got a few ideas, Lewis, and I'm yeah. I'm, You're I'm, an I'm ideas glad, man. You're an, an ideas, ideas man. Yeah. I well, I was out on my stand up paddleboard on on up to the cup day. I thought I've I've got ways that I can actually enjoy this day. The first one, okay, is um, with the horse racing. We actually don't have jockeys at all. Right, and so basically, the horses just get let out to the sound of the track, and then they can just wander up and down the track and just eat the grass. And whichever one manages to walk around and eat the most grass and get past the finish line wins. <laughs> I like you know? it. Be a long race though. Uh, but, but imagine that then it will really will be the race that stops the nation for the entire day. They'd be going. Imagine the tension, Lewis, as you're watching these horses just slowly meander their way up the up the straight, you know, with the crowds cheering, you know, themselves horse. Imagine the amount that they'll be selling at the uh, at the at the bar. You yes. Know? You, you, could have, you could have in even more sort of in uh, in race betting there, like how many kilograms, what type of grass will each horse um, eat? You know, they might need to try and bring in some imported grass. Anyway, so that's one idea. Yep. The second idea is actually let the horses ride the little jockeys. You know, I'd be much more into the race, right? If the if the horses were the ones wearing the little silky pajamas on the backs of the of the jockeys and and sort of running up and down the straight, I'd be I'd be really uh, really into that. Yep. Um, or it was just the uh, you actually had the jockeys riding people in uh, in pantomime horses. That's another yes. one that I could really get behind. So dude in the front, dude. In the, they don't have to be dudes. It's twenty twenty. Sorry, that was a that was very sexist comment on me. They, they'd be more than happy for it to be um, men or women making up the pantomime horse. Yes. Um, and then uh, yeah, a uh, another a smaller um, lighter person, obviously, because you've got to worry worry about people's backs in these pantomime horses up the straight at Flemington. Be perfect. I like it, mate. This is this is good. This is good. Have you have you thought of um, uh, uh, sharing this with Racing Victoria at all? To, to some oh, ideas. I, I have. I've tried to get in touch with Martin Paluka, the uh, the, the the racing um, minister. The, the racing minister. Yeah. Um, but, but unfortunately, yeah, he, he's not taking my calls at the moment. I think because he's taking some time to really absorb in my ideas, and uh, and 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 quite frankly, he's upset that he hasn't come up with them himself. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. We. I mean, that's obviously it's a big part of obviously uh, you know well Victorian. Uh, sort of culture, I suppose, but um, but I'm not sure it can keep going on if if we keep losing an overseas horse every time they race. So there's been anyway. a lot of other dodgy things that have happened in culture that have um, moved away, and yet our human civilization has still managed to thrive. So yeah, um, I think this is one that can probably be changed as well. But you know, we do both have colleagues that are um, uh, uh, you know quite heavily involved in the horse racing industry. So yes, you know, there's a lot of people that that it's their livelihood. So, you know, you need to be careful with that, but doesn't mean that we have to like it. Anyway, no, no. What's been happening your way, mate, apart from the cup and, so, and supping and cupping? Supping and cupping. So I, I <laughs> sounds a little racy, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> so I had an interesting one this week, mate. Yeah, we've, um, oh, um, ages ago, we were talking about um, antibody testing for vaccinations. Yep. Um, and checking to see whether or not um, you, know, you need to worry about vaccinating dogs if they've got adequate uh, antibodies floating around in their body. Um, and so for the last uh, 
for three, there was, yeah, four years actually. Um, we had a dog that um, that about six years ago had uh, an immune mediated disease, got immune mediated hemolytic anemia, where the body produced antibodies against its red blood cells, as well as immune mediated thrombocytopenia. So it took out the platelets. So this dog was bleeding out red blood cells that it just didn't have. Um, and so after months of intense therapy, we uh, we got the dog back under control and everything was going great. Um, and from that point, we thought, okay, well, let's not try and stimulate this immune system any more than what we have to. Let's forego vaccinations, but we are going to do yearly um, because I think the last vaccine that she'd had was a three-year vaccine anyway. Yep. Um, so we waited for the three years and then we started doing yearly blood tests. Um, so we've done that for the last three years and it's all been fine until this year. And so this year, you know, her um, her parvovirus antibody test was uh, showed up as being inadequate. So wow. that then led to the um, to the to the major head scratchy time of trying to work out right. Well, what are we going to do here? Uh, yeah, you know, we've got a dog who's. She's, she's 11 years old. She lives in Mount Waverley. So her risks of getting parvovirus are probably going to be low, but our semi-quantitative tests that we've done have shown that she has got what's determined to be inadequate antibody protection against parvovirus. Yeah, right. So, so yeah, we had to have a um, a nice in-depth discussion in the middle of a busy um, afternoon car park consulting session of what in the hell we're going to do. Well, so, did you did you think of contacting uh, Boris Johnson for his thoughts on herd immunity and uh, and how the UK is going with that? Is that something you, you brought up? Is that is that a topic of a discussion? I, I actually didn't. And now, now I feel bad, Lewis, that I didn't bring them up about Boris's thoughts on herd immunity. Herd I think immunity. Sweden were quite big on herd mm. immunity there as well. So, um, but yeah, no, so we had to, um, uh, the, the owners went home and I gave them the information that they required that yep. well, I think that the risk of a vaccination causing uh, a relapse of this problem would be very, very low. But if it happened, it would potentially be as bad as what it was beforehand, if not worse. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have to, but also if the dog gets parvovirus, so that's going to be pretty catastrophic too. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had to make a, an informed decision of which way we were going to gamble. Um, and, and what'd so, you do? Where'd you go? So uh, we elected to vaccinate. So, yeah, right. Um, so we've only, rather than vaccinating for lots of, you know, like we didn't give the full C5 vaccination. We only gave the, the C3 vaccine because yeah, okay. um, we, did, we didn't have any of the, uh, the, the single parvovirus ones. Yeah, right. Um, gave that and, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, so we did, gave Fingers it an crossed. Anti- Gave it an antihistamine injection. We've worked out a, um, a a monitoring plan of checking to make sure that the red blood cells and the platelets are looking okay over the next few weeks. And yeah, given that she's 11 years old, hopefully this vaccine will then see her through. But it's, uh, you know, I just thought it was an, an interesting, yeah. you know, uh, an interesting uh, story as far as, you don't just jam vaccines into every dog and that sometimes you know, even when you're doing the blood test you're presented with these because you know we kind of think oh maybe the immunity is going to be there long term and it'll be okay yeah but yeah this test came up showing that was not the case yeah wow that's it's a real it's a tough dilemma mate I, yeah i'd uh i'd struggle to know which way to go there as well but as long as i mean you're informing the owners and you've, you've made the discussion i think you, you made the right choice there definitely yep informed consent Lewis. that's exactly. the catch crying Exactly, yeah. mate. Excellent. Hey, now, this week, um, we uh, we had an, a nasty client in that came in the other day. Would you believe? Oh, it? really? Yeah, horrible. A Sir it's, Grumpy Pants. Yeah, just, just. Oh, look, I'll, I won't go into too much, but um, uh, but yeah, it made some disparaging comments, some swearing at the nurses, and slamming of doors, and that sort of thing. It was really, really quite, quite sort of, sort of nasty, and uh, really upset the whole clinic in many ways as as you know something like that does it as well i don't know if you would know mate but i'm sure you had oh, yeah, yeah, clients had, in the yeah. past and then actually i went into the gp sort of soon after that and saw a, a lovely little sign sitting on the gp's counter says zero tolerance and i thought maybe we should put this up at the vet clinic our staff has a right to carry out their work in a safe environment mm. violence foul language and or abusive behaviors are not acceptable Verbal threats or acts of violence towards clinicians, associates, patients, or visitors will not be tolerated and may result in removal from this facility and or prosecution. Thank you for your understanding. Yeah, I would have loved to have that sign just pointed to it. Just gone, there you go. Yes. on there. Yeah. It was totally unfounded. It was, it was horrible, terrible language the lady used. It was, um, and and really quite upsetting, you know. One of the, one of the, um, uh, one of the nurses in tears with it, it was just... 
just a really difficult situation. So please yeah. be nice to your vets and staff out there. And, and you don't, you don't need it, you know. And as you say, you know, people, you know, people don't deserve it. That person's probably the same person that's going to go to the IGA down the road and be swearing about that the apples aren't green enough mm. or that the red apples aren't red enough. But you know, it's um, you, you really don't need it. The, 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 I did have one of those right at the start of lockdown. Actually, we were um, when we started doing uh, consulting outside. Um, it was a, a, a gentleman who um, was in a uh, in a, a motorized uh, like a mobility scooter. Yep. Um, and he came up into the um, into the car park. I was talking to a client, and he's come straight away going, "Are you Dr. Robbie?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, mate. I'm just with her. Yeah. Well, I, I need to talk to you." I said, "Look, thank you, but I'm just you know, talking to to this yeah. client right now. I'm sick of coming in and seeing you, and you haven't been able to make my dog better, and I've spent all this money on medication. Oh, wow. I'm sorry, I don't know your case. I don't know. Well, I would, and, and I'm still trying to talk to this owner. So we've had to go around the other side and he's driven his little mobility scooter up. Wow. That's when I saw the four cans of VB that oh. were at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the mobility scooter. Oh, um, okay. and, uh, and yeah, had to say, uh, sir, if you don't leave now, we're going to call the police. Oh, call the police then. I don't care. I don't. Mm. But, uh, so if, if you don't leave now, I am going to let the tires down on your mobility scooter, mate. But yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Did you hear? I, I think I, I saw one of your cans of VB rolling down the hill. You better go again. And then he jumped up off the mobility scooter and yeah. ran down the road to get it, Lewis. <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, yeah, it's just not fun, is it? It's just not. It makes it really upsets the whole vibe of, of the place. I mean, we understand people get irate and we're happy to talk about that, but it's when it goes over the top and there's yelling and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and abusive language just, just made it really difficult for any, everyone. So, but for anyway, sure. so they're, they're two complaints from me for the week. It's been great, mate. And then and the computer <laughs> wouldn't work today. So that's it. <laughs> I had a, um, I had someone come in, um, to, cause we're still doing the outside consulting. I um, yep. bought, bought their dog in and, um, I was having a look at it cause it had, um, oh, it was chewing its feet. And, uh, and so I'm looking at the dog. So chewing the feet, right? It's probably going to be an allergy, especially this time of the year. And I've had a look and it's got this patch of hair missing on the back of its, um, uh, on the back of its back. I go, oh, this, this would be fleas, you know? So, so looking around for fleas, couldn't find fleas or flea dirt or anything like that. Yep. And so I went out and talked to the owner about what's going on. And I said, look, I think your dog's got an allergy, but um, what are you using on it for fleas? And he's got, oh, you're using, you know, whatever it is that I'm using. Um, and he's got, okay. I said, well, all right, because, you know, it's really weird. Usually when you've got this patch of hair missing on the back, it's usually fleas until proven otherwise. He's gone, oh, yeah, that. I was actually doing some painting at the house and I got some paint on the dog's back <laughs> and and my wife told me off for it. So I had to try and clip the hair off it. So, so I was, so I got the, got my clippers out and I clipped the hair off. And I said, okay, Rob, well, then in which case it's not fleas. That's, that's, that's good. Change you know? of diag- change of diagnosis, change of diagnosis straight away. So that, that was good. It means we can move on, move on from that one. But, you know, it's a, but there was a, uh, you know, much, we, we didn't see any of the, um, the, the, the lacerations, that, uh, that that Neil Mitchell was reporting, but uh, certainly some uh, some paint related hair clipping uh, alopecia. Yeah, right. Yeah, we had uh, we had the one the other way. We talked about where the, the dog's ear got nicked by the groomer, and uh, and there was blood everywhere. Painted the walls. Very similar sort of scenario. Lots of paint involved. Red paint everywhere. <laughs> anyway, sponsors. Uh, big thank you to uh, Zilkeen uh, supporters. Yes. Border of the podcast, mild anxiety, lowering uh, medication. Um, uh, I've been using a little bit more of it these days with the shortage of a type of food that we talked about last week. Uh, the hills mm. certainly can add the zilkeen to that um, for those those uh, well those cats with urinary problems. Um, had a cat, uh, a lady this week, come in with a her cat that was um, having some inappropriate urine urination around the house. Um, and you know, it seemed all fine. And, uh, and I sort of was chatting to her about what was going on. Yeah. It's going on the sofa. It's going to different areas of ex- external to the litter tray. And I happened to say, so have you got any other cats now? She goes, yes, I've got five, five cats in a one bedroom apartment. I went, wow. Well, I think, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. And you've only got one that's, that's missing the litter, you know, or getting upset with, with that sort of scenario, getting a little bit stressed by it all. And she said, yeah, unfortunately all her friends who are come from, from overseas to study, They've all got cats, but they've had to go home because of Corona. So she's the only oh. one that's left home, left, left uh, you know, in Melbourne. And they've given all the cats to her. So she got, she goes, oh, maybe they'll come back in a month's time. And I was like, yeah, I, I, they're not rushing back. I don't think. No, 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 so no. Let's not, try some. 
Let's try some zilkane because we've put it on the food. All the cats will eat it. That'll be fine. But it might just yeah. help a little bit, a little bit of anxiety reduction for that for that one that's playing <laughs> on the sofa. Uh, uh, there you um, go. And, 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 and did any of those cats uh, have any uh, sort of uh, vomiting or skin issues, Lewis, that needed a uh, a new uh, you know, novel protein diet at all? I'm just wondering. Well, I didn't go into that, but they could. What, what diet do you reckon we'd use? Oh, gee, with delicate care would be a great option, Lewis. The uh, Australian made, Australian owned. The um, the we always bang on about the cat um, uh, uh, sensitive skin and stomach diet because it is so damn good. Yep. Um, uh, duck and kangaroo novel protein. So for the cats that have got the uh, you know, those real you know niggly sort of skin issues or uh, or gut problems, it's a pretty good option to try and get them. It's available for uh, for dogs as well. Um, I actually had a a dog during the week that's um. We tried on uh, another branded uh, mobility diet that develops uh, diarrhea. Why would and you so bother, we, we're mate? The, why would you we're, bother? We're going to try the, uh, the, the delicate care mobility yes. diet for this dog, Lewis. You really should have gone straight delicate care first, mate. So, but We didn't have any in stock, so oh, we had to get some in. So there big, we go. Big thank you to those guys, though. They signed on for another six months. So that's there we Hooray. go. Thank you, guys. We appreciate your support very, very much. Oh, I should, I should have left that anecdote for the next time then. Yeah, we still got another another <laughs> pat them out, mate. You're again pat them out. 25 stories. Yeah. <laughs> and also a big thank you to our Patreon supporters. We love you guys. You guys uh you keep the lights on, keep the Zoom subscription up when it works, which we had trouble with today. Keep, keeps Lewis's daughter's uh, uh tech uh, tech help fees yes. um in the in the black, which is great. <laughs> Spot on, mate. So if you want to support us, you go to patreon.com at two vets talk pets for a couple of bucks a month. Uh you can you can help us to to say we like what you're doing. Keep doing it, please. Absolutely. So, so and, and what's uh, what, what what's been happening in the news this week, buddy? What are you oh, uh, what, what what have you you trawled up? This is some big news this week in uh yeah. in uh in Denmark, unfortunately. The mm. um, did you? I didn't realize. Well, the uh, this article's from the Sydney Morning Herald, I think it is. Denmark to kill 17 million mink leaked to possible COVID 19 mutation. Now, I had no idea mink was still a thing, mate. I mean, we talked about previous in the pot class, I think in the Netherlands, they were having some issues with mink and they were and COVID 19 and killing a lot of them, but I didn't realize that it was still a viable trade or, you know, is it, is it still mink coats? Do you know anything about it? Uh, very, very little. Um, (laughs) It's not your wheelhouse, mate. It's not, not necessarily my wheelhouse. I, I try and sort of um, I, I'm I'm more around the faux fur kind of uh, spectrum of fashion. You know, the I ones like the that. things you get from Spotlight and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah th- that's usually that's usually more my jam. Like, um, like on your. Know, like on your handcuffs, the faux fur around those, the pink fluffy fur around those, mate. Oh, look, I do, I do, I do go mink on those ones because it's better on the, <laughs> you know, just, it's a bit less, less dermatitis then. <laughs> hang on, hang on, geez, that's a, where, 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 where did that go all of a sudden? Hang on. Um, but yeah, no, I was reading that same article. I mean, that is in, I mean, A, that, that there was, that there are still 17 million mink um being farmed but then also that then they're just gonna go all right you know what we need to we need to scorched earth earth, yes yeah so denmark will cull 17 million mink over fears the ferret-like animals are passing on a mutated strain of coronavirus to humans prime minister mette frederickson announced the drastic thanks mate Drastic move on Wednesday as the death toll from Europe's second wave climbed sharply in some hard-hit countries. Fredrickson, who is self-isolating after a close contact test of positive, said authorities detected coronavirus strains in humans and mink, which showed decreased sensitivity against antibodies. She ordered the national cull with a heavy heart, Mm. but said mutations in the animals were a threat to the effectiveness of vaccines in development around the globe. The national cull, though, I mean, aren't they going to be killed anyway? Like, I, I sort of... I, I don't think necessarily all at once. No, but still. Yeah, I think still the... Well, if you're going to have a heavy heart about killing them all at once, why, why haven't you got a heavy heart about actually the industry, really? I mean, mm. I, don't, I don't know why. Why is this so happening? It's very weird. Is it... And is there a, a counter um, uh, article there about how the it's just going to completely obliterate the uh, the economy of uh, of mink fur sales because suddenly the market's going to be flooded with all these uh, all these mink coats because there's going to be yeah 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 seven, seventeen million little little mink that suddenly don't need their skins anymore which is yeah. really sad. 
Yeah, well, it is. I think the interesting thing, I mean, Denmark's pretty progressive. Certainly two years ago, they banned the use of all whips on mink. Um, so that, you know, that, well, that's that, good. That, that helped the industry in some respect. Um, but, but then it got, got some credibility back, but now yeah. suddenly that's all, all gone <laughs> that's again right. because, of the, because of damn COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Fairly similar to the horse racing, I think, mate. There's, there's a big, 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 you know, 17 million mink and employs a lot of people potentially. I don't really know. But um, the mutator virus via mink can carry the risk that the upcoming vaccine will not work as it should, uh, Fredrickson said. We have a great responsibility towards our own population with the mutations now being found. We have an even greater responsibility for the rest of the world as well said that half of 783 infected people in northern Denmark, home to many mink farms, had been infected with a strain stemming from the farms. Wow. Okay. And, uh, they said the mutated virus had been detected in 12 humans and in five mink farms. Between 15 and 17 million mink in Denmark. That's a big variation. 15 to 17. I just, they don't really know. No, 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 they don't. They're, 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 I think they've, they must have been a while since they've done a mink census. <laughs> the world's largest producer of mink fur. They bred on nearly 1,200 1, farms um, and the government has promised con, uh, compensation. It shared findings with the World Health Organization, which is already investigating whether animals can transmit disease to humans. A targeted cull has been underway at some farms since July, but the po police, army and National Guard will be deployed over the coming days to cull the entire population quickly. Mink have also been culled in some other countries, including the Netherlands and Spain. A couple of worries there. How well-versed uh, the police and the army on how to uh, humanely uh, cull 17 million small little critters, do you think? I, you'd have to think, uh, yeah, it is going to be fairly uh, negligible, especially mm. in a very short period of time where they mm. yeah, have little to no knowledge on how to do it. You know, I think uh, that's pretty uh, pretty scary, to be honest. I hope there's some quick education going on how to do it humanely because that's a big task. That's a really big task. I mean, th I think there's a little bit of that going around Victoria at the moment with uh, the chickens and the, the – uh, is it the – I'm going to say the wrong thing. Chicken flu, is it? Bird flu, yeah, yeah, av avian influenza, yeah, avian influenza, and some, but I'm, but I'm, I know there are lots of vets overseeing that, make sure it's done humanely, and it's certainly on not not such a large scale, seventeen million animals. No, no, no. Um, so yeah, now that was a, uh, I, with with reading that article as well, I was going, I, I'm, to be honest, yeah, they 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 were always talking about, um, you know, looking for models of uh, animals to use as vaccines. Well, you know what? Given that mink are a, uh, you know. A, in the same wheelhouse as ferrets in that they are susceptible to the human, um, you know, COVID, um, COV-2. What, what was it called again? COV-2. Yeah, COV-2. COV SARS-CoV-2. 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 That's it. Um, that, yeah, they probably make a reasonable model for, um, for, for uh, the vaccines, but probably unfortunately not 17 million of them. No. Well, it does raise some interesting issues because uh, ferrets often owned by people and they're often in much closer contact than the mink on a farm would be, you'd think. So mm. I wonder if there's a crossover into the, into the ferret population as well. Yeah. Interesting. Ugh. Watch yeah, this space, yeah. hey? Scary times to be a little furry creature with a long tail. Yeah, yeah. Well, nice furry, nice soft furry creature. Makes a nice little handcuff there. Anyway, mate, what do you got for us? So, um, on on a more more, more up. Beat animal animal news here. I know we've been down um, this this one, haven't we? Lots of down. Yeah, yeah, all, all been doom and gloom and horses and minks and you know mm. handcuffs. Yep. Um, so uh, here's a, a an article from um, from ABC News um, where a parrot has saved the owner from a Brisbane uh, uh, saves its owner from a Brisbane house fire by raising the alarm before the smoke detectors. Oh, yeah. wow! So um, is that man not, is not not like the canary just sort of died and they went, hang on. The canary in yeah, the coal mine. That's died. not right. We've got to get out of this house. And and my feet are a bit a bit bit warm. And uh, the door handle's <laughs> hot. I think it's time to exit stage left here. <coughs> but the canary's falling off the perch. We're gonna go. That's right. Yeah, no, no. I think it's, it's it's a little, little more, a little more alarmist than that, Lewis. You know, it's sort of a bit, a bit more active. Um, Beryl, I'm having trouble seeing the TV through the smoke. Yeah, check the canary's okay. Can you open a window? The canary, the canary's just fallen off. Um, the man has a man has survived a house fire which gutted his Brisbane home overnight after his pet parrot sounded the alarm before smoke detectors kicked in. 
The house in Kangaroo Point was engulfed in flames when crews arrived just after 2 a.m. Resident Anton Nguyen said he was luckily, lucky to escape uninjured after his bird, Eric, alerted him to danger. I heard a bang and Eric, so, so the bird might have been, you know, doing, the bird might have started the fire. I'm just saying. Um, uh, I heard a bang and Eric. Eric, my parrot, he started to yell. So I woke up and I smelled a bit of smoke, he said. I grabbed Eric, opened the door and looked to the back of the house and saw some flames. So I've grabbed my bag and took off and bolted downstairs. He said he did not hear the smoke alarms go off. I'm in shock, but I'm fine. Wow. Uh, QFES acting inspector Cam Thomas said the parrot squawked, Anton, Anton, to alert Mr. Newen of the danger. There was a gentleman asleep at the time, he said. He heard a large bang and his parrot, Eric, actually alerted him to get out of the building and they both got out fine. There were smoke detectors, but the bird alerted before the smoke detectors went off. Acting Inspector Thomas said crews did well to contain the fire to just one property. The fires pretty much well engulfed the whole premises with exposures on the left-hand side that have needed protecting with some blistering on the exterior. A crime scene has been declared and Ooh. fire investigators are examining the cause of the blaze. So there is a chance that, that Eric, the parrot, is a little bit of an arsonist. But <laughs> You think you know, it's a, it might be an insurance claim. Eric wanted a bigger cage. That's yes. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. We'll have to ring up AM double AMI and see what's going on. <laughs> you know, insurance premiums for houses containing birds have gone up. So then there's a there's a pitch in here of a- Anton and Eric. Eric's just sitting on the on the man's arm. You know, he's he seems fairly uh, oblivious to it. He's, he's sort of hiding his face, I think, because he's he's concerned that you know maybe maybe his face will be recognised from this is the bird not not Anton oh, of course um, yeah, from, yeah. from other other arson uh, events in the in the greater Brisbane area kangaroo kangaroo point area was so, was there any mention that the fire started from inside the cage like in a prison cell you know was he was he making a protest of some sort that I'm sick of this sunflower seed I want the I want the I want the the uh the something else seed I want the I want the millet. Yeah, the, the millet. The, 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 I want the budgie seed. It's better on the beak. It's easier That's to right. eat. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I want some fresh flowers. Yeah. I want some nectar. Give me yeah. some nectar. I want to change change the shape of my beak. Um, no, no, no reports of that of whether or not there was toilet paper hanging out outside of the uh, outside of the cage windows. No, no knotted sheets down the side. No, 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 no only, escape or anything. No, okay, right. It's, it's it's all very positive on Eric's behalf at the moment of just the the, the calling of Anton Anton to try to try and wake him up. Isn't so. Anton lucky that he got a parrot that that can speak and didn't get a canary? Because oh, the canary would have just cheep 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 nothing. Cheap. Cheap yeah, yeah. I th- well, I think I think what um, what Anton probably should have done is made sure he checked the uh, the batteries and his smoke alarms as often as what he did inside of his bird Eric. So, but anyway, exactly. that's a lesson to everyone out there. Yeah, we've yes. all changed our our our, uh, our clocks, so make sure you change your smoke alarm battery too. Great, and get a bird too. Get a bird, yes. Get a bird as well, yes. So it's Definitely. a public public health statement there. Good one, mate. Fantastic. Well, um, I had an article this week about um, my dad said this through. So thank you very much to my dad, Dr. Kirkham. Dr. Kirkham from uh, from the I think from the little I'm not sure which paper maybe the little paper Herald Sun virus dogs winning testing race by a nose oh I love oh. it I always uh, the little paper it's done They're it only the little paper but they can get some big puns in their headlines can't it's they? done it again it must have been yes. on uh, Melbourne Cup day I reckon that one when this is in London when Anna Helen Bjorkman started testing her COVID detection dogs in the field she hit an apparently serious problem. As they sniffed their way through passengers at Helsinki Airport, they con- confidently identified people as having the disease. But when the same people were checked using a PCR test, so that's, that's the, the swab up the nose test mm. that we've all, many of us have had, they were coming up negative. Like the dogs, her great hope for speedy testing were failing. Yes. Except <gasps> a few days later, they supposedly, those supposedly negative people reported back they had started getting symptoms. Bum, bum. The dogs, Mina, Kossi, and Valo, had spotted something the best laboratory tests could not. They had picked up people in the first stages of infection. It's pretty cool. They're actually finding PCR negatives that are going to be PCR positives in a week's time, Dr. Hilman Bjorkman said. Finnish researchers are not the only ones reporting this. Colleagues from France to Lebanon to the UAE have all had the same experiences. Most diseases have an odor. The way your body responds, the way your metabolism changes gives off a distinct smell. James Logan from the London School of 
hygiene said. A I school said, of hygiene. School of hygiene. Wow, well, there well. we go. Yeah. I wonder what they teach at that school. Washing? Washing, washing, um, and then washing again. Yes. Soap. Soap. Uh, yeah. Soap, soap and non-soap washing. Soap um, on a rope for the for the budgie in the in the prison cell, potentially. I, I, wonder, I wonder if they're um, <laughs> Well he's gotta be able to grip it with his little uh, with his little legs, doesn't he? You know? Yeah, yeah, he's gotta hold on to it. Yeah, he's, he's, his neck. He's, he's got to watch out for that other parrot that's in the mirror because he knows that whenever he turns around and it's trying to sneak up on him. It just disappears. <laughs> it runs away somewhere. Where's oh, it there he is. He's, he's after me again. Yeah. <laughs> Where's he? He's behind me. He's, behind oh, me. Oh, he's in front of me again. Where'd he come from? <laughs> so those working with the dogs hope to imitate their noses. We're also training a lot of machinery to do the same. So we hope that in the near future will be, there will be more than just the dogs that are smelling disease. So how about that? They're there that, we go. That's sensitive that they're picking them up before they even know they've got it, essentially. Nice. Good stuff. Nice. So, so is that going to be the way that um, the big Dan's going to be using his contact tracing now? We're just going to have a lot of dogs running up and just sniffing yeah, sniffing masks. I mean, that'd be the thing, wouldn't it? You, know, you, you just hand your mask over to the dog and let the dog sniff it and see whether it's tail wags three times or not. Yeah. Well, the thing I'm, I'm wondering is if, if it's uh, the dog has uh, sniffed one mask that's got COVID in it, but then the next mask that sort of breathes out a bit. And puts COVID onto that one, and then the person's put the mask on is actually just just spreading around. Maybe that's what's going on. Oh my goodness! The that's are, the spread. That's the super spreaders. Yeah, the super spread. It's actually the dogs that are spreading it. I had no idea. And they don't know they've got it because the dog hasn't given it to them yet. Oh my goodness! But it's just on the just on their nose, on their yeah. on their wet nose. Conspiracy. Have they, have they done any 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 studies, Lewis, on trying to work out how long the virus can survive on a wet nose versus a dry nose on one of the Helsinkian COVID sniffer dogs? No, but it's often one of the diagnostic things we use, isn't it, when we know if a dog's healthy or not? Yes, where they've got oh, a wet yeah. nose. Yeah, well, speaking of that, we are doing some myths later on in the show, aren't we? We are a little bit, yes. <laughs> yes. But not letting the cat out of the bag just yet. Oh, sorry. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh hold um, on, listeners. Hold on to your hats. And, and and in actually some some um some actually important news for some of our listeners, <laughs> we um uh, uh, we got an email through from uh, one of the specialist centres here in Melbourne, the Veterinary Referral Hospital. It's uh, which operates in Dandenong in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, that they've uh, reported that they're in the past three months they've diagnosed three more dogs with leptospirosis. Wow. So, um, yeah, we, mm. we spoke about the, the lepto outbreak in Sydney, I think it was last year, I think from memory. And then earlier yes. this year in Melbourne, we had a bit of a bit of a flare up in some of the eastern suburbs. Or now there's um, so the, the suburbs where the positive cases came from are Menzies Creek, Monbulk and Belgrave. Right. So they're okay. right out in the um, right out in the hills, out in the east, out there of um, of Melbourne, the, f- the foot of the Dandenongs. So which if you've now got... that we're allowed to now we're allowed to go twenty five kilometres, be more people visiting those areas. Yeah. So when um, so if you live in those areas, mate, what should what should be doing? Do you reckon? So the good thing is, is that leptospirosis has got some really specific signs. Not. I'm being incredibly sarcastic. So um. So clinical signs of leptospirosis um, varies from mild to severe and may include fever, lethargy, weight loss, anorexia, so not eating, vomiting and diarrhea, depression, muscle pain, bruising, tissue edema, uveitis, which is inflammation or redness of the eyes, acute kidney disease, acute liver disease, respiratory distress. So, you know, just anything. Until you got the kidney disease and liver disease, as I thought you were talking about a hangover, but no, you're talking yeah. about those. <laughs> yeah, the muscle pain, depression, and bruising. The bruising's are when you fall over on the way in. Red eyes, swollen, unwell, yeah. not eating. Yeah. Apart from the, or the anorexia part, yeah, I mean, you usually try and find a kebab that'll, that'll fit down, or maybe a falafel if you're of the, uh, the, the, non, the, 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 the non meat eating variety. Oh, uh, you can, a you mink can get falafel. A falafel. Mink falafel. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, mink wrap, sauce wrap, on wrap, it. wrapped in a little mink sauce <laughs> <laughs> just just some onions and some or, or no it's in europe so maybe they'll use shallots instead yes possibly oh wow so what what's your so, own so i guess if your dog's unwell you go to your vet really don't you 
particularly if you're around in those areas. So, so remembering that leptospirosis is usually spread by rodents and um, in, in stagnant uh, water sources, um, exposure to urine um, of, uh, of infected, uh, uh, infected rodents. Um, but because it is zoonotic, it has the potential to be able to spread to humans, which is the scary part. So yeah. um, we went through a bit of a flurry of uh, vaccinating lots of animals when there was the, the flare up in, uh, in Melbourne and, then we've stopped because that's because that didn't happen anymore. But you know now there's a little bit of a little bit of a case flare up out in the uh, the eastern suburbs. So it is still out there. Yeah, so you can get vaccinated if you talk to your vets. You know, you're in that area, you're concerned. You can go and chat to your vet and see whether vaccination might be an option for your only for dogs. You know, we don't see any cats, do we? Very often, don't we don't. So. No, 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 I think it's mainly no. in dogs. All righty, yeah. fantastic, mate. All right, good stuff. So we might take a short break. And when we come back, you've got uh, what do you got, mate? Some, uh, some. So uh, what I've what I've called GS or BS around with baby animals. You know, GS is it is it, are these things? Is it these are uh, are they myths or are they good tips? Is it good stuff or bull stuff or bad stuff? Bad stuff or bull bad stuff at work? Tish, tish boom. Yes. All right. Back after the break. Hey, Robbie, I'd love to give a shout-out to our friends at PetSure for their awesome free webinar series. Yeah, man, I heard about those. Aren't they called Pause and Learn, as in P-A-W-S? <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, mate, there's nothing like a good acronym. It got your attention. <laughs> it certainly did, mate. But seriously, the PetSure webinars cover some amazing topics, though. They sure do. There's one on COVID-19 and pets, very topical, and essential viewing for all concerned pet parents in this COVID-19 world. Indeed, mate, and for vets as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's also another one called Setting Up Your New Pet for Success. And here's one that's really important, Helping Pets Avoid Separation Anxiety. That'd be right in your wheelhouse, wouldn't it? Oh, mate, love that. Anything on behaviour, that's absolute gold. Oh, mate, it's all gold, gold, gold for pet sure here. And you know they're presented by Pet Shores Chief Vet Dr. Danny Hulhan, friend of the podcast, and also they have a range of other pet experts for each topic, so you know you're getting the good stuff. Oh, mate, that sounds great. So to learn more about these webinars or to register, visit petsure.com.au slash webinars. Registration is free, but spots are limited. And since we've just registered, two less. So make sure you secure your spot today. Oh, T's and C's apply. Visit petsure.com.au for more information. All advice on this show is general in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following advice for your pet or for following any advice from us on trying to operate Zoom. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if we missed anything or if you need any clarification. Oh, good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Now, you, you, the BS or, or GS, was it? Yes, GS or BS. So just a couple of little things that, you know puppy owners and kitten owners have been asking me over this COVID time that I thought we might just, uh, you know, dispel some myths, get to you know, have a bit of a, a bit of a round table discussion on, like uh, on, on, on what our thoughts are with them. So we'll, we'll crack right, right into it. So, um, so the first one, GS or BS kittens automatically know how to use litter trays. Oh, I reckon that's pretty GS there, mate. That's uh, I think that's good stuff. I yeah, think somehow miraculously cats have just a, a, an amazing innate ability of working out where to go compared yeah. to dogs, humans, horses, cows. They just get it. They do, yeah. No, I think they have a preference for going to the toilet in sort of sandy substrates, so loose sandy substrate so um so litter is certainly very similar to that and yeah you put a kit in a room with a litter tray yep unlike a dog it'll know where to go spot on mate exactly good one so second one gs or bs cats can't be indoor only animals ah that's bs isn't it mate that's bs yeah thinky bs yeah definitely they can certainly be indoor animals, but um, you want to be um, – I, I always try and say to people, if they're going to be indoor, you need to be thinking about how you can try and um, uh, g- g- enrich their environment a bit, you know, try and make exactly. – uh, 
make, make as many things sort of exciting for them, you know, different heights and different textures and things for them to crawl around on and walk around on. Uh, what, what, what sort of uh, advice do you give people? Yeah, spot on, mate. So elevated areas that they can, you know, they get a view of the world out a window is often a good one. Elevated hiding places. So it might even be just like a cardboard box turned upside down with a side cut out of it. So it's a little hidey hole up, up on the TV. Well, not on the TV these days because they're too no. thin. But back when we were younger, we used to say that, but not anymore. Nice, nice big thick tube TVs. <laughs> yes. Right. They loved it. Uh, you know, up on a bookshelf or um, providing hiding food enrichment you know, toys around the house or hiding a bit of uh, uh, some dry food in like a toilet paper with tissue paper on the end that they can find and attack. Plenty of playtime with the owner, grooming time with the owner if they like it. Um, really good website you can go to if you put into the Google machine, Indoor Pet Initiative. Oh, uh, right. Gives you some things of what really a cat needs in the indoor environment to, to enrich their lives. Because uh, cat grasses are really good, cat nip, cat mint, those sorts of things. They love chewing on those things. Um, some cats you can uh, you can uh, make them outdoor, but put them on a harness. I've yes. quite, a, quite a few clients that take their cats for walks on a harness, and they love it. We had a um, uh, quite possibly the greatest Bengal cat um, ever uh, is uh, comes in and sees us, and. Um, he, he's been trained to, to walk on a harness. And so he was the absolute star of the car park when he came in yes. a couple of weeks ago. So he's out there swanning around the car park, walking around. His, his uh, housemate, the uh, the three-year-old Labrador that was coming in as well, was hiding in the car trying to pretend that <laughs> life didn't exist. So, so yeah. It always does worry me when people come in with the cat on the harness and they just walk into the waiting room with the cat on the harness and a waiting room is often a place where there are quite a few animals that don't like cats or never seen a cat before. And that can create an interesting walking environment. So I think when you go to the vet, you're better off putting that cat on the harness into a carrier much safer. Yeah. Go wrong. Uh, Number three, socialization. This is, this, I guess is um, more for dogs, but it could fit in with cats as well. Socialization has to be in full swing by 16 weeks, GS or BS. Oh, that's pretty true, mate, in that, uh, you know, we, we do know that the socialization period shuts off at about sort of 12, 14, 16 weeks of age, particularly in puppies. In kittens, it's a lot mm. younger. It's about nine weeks of age. Right. Um, but, but socialization in saying that, you know, yes, you want to, in those times, um, expose your dog to lots of different people. Uh, you know, different ages of people. You want kids, you want older people, you want, you want people in a mobility scooter with four tinnies, you know, in the bottom with, with four flat tires going down the road. You want to expose them to all those sorts of things, you know, to, um, to make sure that they're, when they're older, they've got the best chance of, of having had those socialization experiences. But there is some, some sort of evidence saying that actually ongoing socialization during life, as long as the dog is comfortable with that and happy mm. with those interactions um, is, is important as well. And it doesn't, it's not just a definite cutoff uh, while a lot of it is before the 14, you know, the 12, 14, 16 weeks. Um, there is uh, a little bit that keeps going on dur- sort of during their life that you, a little bit of use it to lose, yeah, use it or lose it potentially as long as the dog yeah. is comfortable. A lot of caveats there, but, uh, but that's, that's definitely GS mate. I'm with that. Good Good stuff. Stuff. One interesting thing I had was yeah. I, I uh, for socialization from puppies with COVID times, um, really good spot to take your puppy for socialization is take them to Bunnings. Bunnings. Yes. Cause you're yeah, allowed, we're allowed to back take, in Bunnings again. You're allowed to take your dog to Bunnings and you can do amazing things in Bunnings with socialization. You can go in the doorbell aisle and ring all the doorbells. <laughs> And give them food when they don't respond. Like they're just being well behaved. You can go to the lawnmower section and roll all the lawnmowers around. Rolling wow. things. Often dogs don't like skateboards and that's when it's hard to get them used to that. So take them where there's something that rolls. The, the lawnmowers are perfect. Roll them down the aisle. Give the pup, put the puppy down, give them lots of treats. If they see the rolling thing, it's just a fun thing that's moving around. It's not something weird. You can bang the lids on the on the the garbage bins. There's so much <laughs> happening. There's, there's so many different people there too. Really, wow. really good experience. So I think uh, certainly Bunnings in Australia and uh, I'm not Home sure Depot maybe in America. Home Depot, thank you. 
spot on. Good one. So that was a nice little tip I got during the week off the social medias. I think I love it. That's a great idea. Take your dog to Bunnings. And I think they're going to be starting sausages at Bunnings again, again soon, which will be, which will be great. Not necessarily that you have to give your dog a, a sausage, but did I, um, do you remember when I was uh, cooking the sausages for the, um, for the kinder? I'm pretty sure I told this story. It was ages ago. So yeah, yeah. It was go. Kinder. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had somebody come up and go, I, I'll just two sausages. Thanks. But no bread. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. It's just for my dogs. Yeah. The, the, the two dogs just sitting there. I go, look, I'm, 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 I'm tossing up in my brain. I go, do I, do I say, look, you know, one sausage is probably too much for each dog when each dog's only like nine kilos. Said, That's like you eating 10. The dog, Dogs really like the sausages though, and it was a sure sale, so that was good for the kinder. Oh, I was torn loose. <laughs> did you did you bring that up when you saw them the next day for pancreatitis at the clinic? Yeah, <laughs> that maybe one sausage each was a bit much. Imagine that yeah, you, you they come to the clinic, they've been vomiting, you know, they're not not very well, not eating. And they walk in, they go, "You, you sold us those sausages. <laughs> it was a bad sausage that you sold. No, 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 it's just just, just fatty as they are. Yeah, yeah." No, no, the kinder got the $2.50 from the sausage and I've got the 900 bucks from the treating the pancreatitis. It all wins. Win-win. 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 Next one. Um, uh, getting a second dog will settle down my anxious dog. GS or BS? Well, depends on what sort of anxiety we're talking, mate. It's a common one is uh, separation anxiety people talk about. So the dog's anxious um, doesn't like when it's being left alone when exactly. owners have say, you know, gone back to work for the first time in six months and the kids have finally gone to school. Yeah. It's, that's exactly what we're going through right now. Quite, quite a few clients that the uh, owners at work um, getting it. Look, uh, look, I always say to owners, you know, if you've got a dog with separation anxiety, the anxiety is separation from humans. It's not necessarily separation from other uh, dogs or cats or, or anything at all. So when owners say to me, you know, should I get another dog? I, so I say to them, only get another dog if you want another dog. Don't get another dog just because you're gonna, it's gonna, you think it's going to fix your first dog's separation anxiety. I reckon, and as no, this is all anecdote from me i reckon 10 percent of people that i hear of that get a dog to help with separation anxiety it helps 10 percent of the time 90 percent of the time it does not help at all and you always got that potential that you get another dog you get two dogs with separation anxiety so if you're not willing to deal with one you know i i wouldn't be getting a second dog in that situation other anxieties Look, if you've got a dog, there is some, I think, a little bit of evidence. If you've got a dog that's anxious, say, out on walks or... Um, Noise you know, phobias? Or... Uh, yeah, no, not, not so much. No, no, probably out on walks. Uh, so, no, certainly not thunderstorm or noise phobias. I wouldn't have thought another dog would help with that. Um, but if you're out on walks and they're anxious, generally on walks, sometimes another dog that is very confident can act as a bit of a crutch for that anxious dog. And I, I think we more see this, though, when you've got two dogs that, uh, that have lived together and been together for a long time. One is a naturally anxious dog. One, the other one is not. And then the confident dog actually passes away. And then right. you start noticing that the, the anxious dog is really struggling on the walks without the crutch of the, of the yeah, other dog. Right. So, so but, but that's really hard to say. You've got an anxious dog going from walks, get another dog. Eh, it's, not, it's not really a solution. You really need to work on the anxiety of the first dog in the first mm-hmm. instance. So Good stuff. Yeah. Next one. My puppy doesn't have fleas because the breeder has been giving it garlic. Oh, wow. I like it. Yes. I like it. What do you reckon? I reckon this is a nice hearty case of BS. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Or I've been washing them in Martha's wool wash. That kills. Or eucalyptus oil. Or eucalyptus oil. Yes. Wow. Yes. Haven't you heard that? No, I haven't heard that one Makes their coats nice and fluffy. Oh, my goodness. Martha Gardner's wool wash. (laughs) Actually, I had one. I reckon I had one last week that a guy I was talking to goes, "Oh, he's got little lumps on him, and the dog had some skin tags, sort of quite a few over his body." I said, "Look, they're not really a problem. Um, I don't know the correct term for them. I call them skin tags, just sort of a little out pocketing of skin, epithelial yep. skin, sort of thing, very loosely attached." And he said, "I had one on its head, and I put some apple cider vinegar on it, and it came off." And I said, "Well, that's fantastic. Keep doing well, that because that works." Well done to you. you know? Have yeah. you tried garlic for fleas yet? 
I did um, try and say to him, I think the dog may have just scratched it off or it's, it's, but he could swore, have been a scab. Yeah, yeah. He swore, swore at me. It, it was the apple side of Vinny Gus. Righto. Fine. Good Keep on going. You, sir. Not going to hurt. Well done. Not yeah, going to yeah. hurt. Um, so, so yeah, uh, uh, garlic doesn't, doesn't treat fleas. You know, garlic garlic just makes your your pasta sauce taste better. Um, it's it's very good on bread with pasta. Um, you know, a bit much better for, used for cuisine rather than for uh, ectoparasites. Exactly. There's a reason why there's a lot of products out there that are very expensive, used to treat fleas because they work. Yes, garlic. And does if not. you if your animal if your animal doesn't have fleas and it's on garlic, it's because it doesn't have fleas. <laughs> That's right, and it smells yeah. like garlic. If your dog's yes. on, if your dog's got had garlic and there are no vampires around, it doesn't mean it's scared the vampires away. It just means there are no vampires. There are no vampires around. That's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because because they're both bloodsuckers. They're both bloodsuckers. So <laughs> yes. you know, it stands to reason that it works like that. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Good uh, stuff. Next one. My puppy only needs two vaccines. GS Ooh. or BS? Oh, that's a that's a good one, mate. The uh, yes. the early release vaccine is that what you're talking about? That's that's what they, we're alluding to here. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, certainly we have the early release vaccine in our clinic, but mm-hmm. we still give three vaccines regardless because that is what the World Small Animal Veterinary Association recommends from our perspective. What are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely the same there, mate. So so the early release vaccines, they are registered um, as that you, you know, so they're the ones for parvo distemper hepatitis um, and you can give the up the up the snoo, snozzy one for, for kennel cough as well. But um the the main reason for giving them the the chaser at the 16 weeks is to try and make sure that we've battled the maternal antibodies and we spoke about this when we were talking about our um our puppies uh a puppy podcast a few months ago um but the the maternal antibodies are the ones that puppies get from their mums from the colostrum the first feed from the um from the mum's milk and uh what happens is that uh those antibodies get into the dog's bloodstream into the puppy's bloodstream and can actually um uh, neutralize the vaccine. So it means that the puppies don't actually get a chance to provide themselves protection. So yes, the early release vaccines are registered. So it means they must work, but because there is a small percentage of dogs that may not, we recommend giving them the vaccine at 16 weeks. Yeah, definitely mate. No, spot on. Definitely three vaccines. Good stuff. So I call that BS regardless of what, you know, I mean, and hand on heart, there's clinics out there that say you only have to give them the two and that's fine bully to them but i know what i do with my dogs and that's the advice that i give to my clients certainly that's what i do too mate prefer the three vaccines certainly definitely very good all right what's and the next finally, one mate? Uh, finally uh we're just uh you know was it uh was it uh gs or bs we're getting uh hurt getting the picture of uh dustin martin tattooed on your neck what's that mate Oh, sorry. Now the what sound's just gone on the podcast what again. It's a, you'll have to get April in to try and help you out. <laughs> Not as much as the butt hurt when Collingwood lost. The oh, I imagine. <laughs> all right, mate. Twenty twenty one, new year, new year. Oh, still the reigning premiers. Thanks for bringing that up, mate. I actually had forgotten all the technical difficulties, but now you brought it up. Richmond are the reigning premiers. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. It, it's it's all just here to I'm, I'm just here to try and make you feel better from your ineptitude this morning. So. <laughs> Thanks, mate. It was a total stuff up the story. It was yeah. terrible. Anyway, the listeners don't know that. So, you got any questions, mate? We got any mailbag questions? Good yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, mate. so we got a, a mailbag question that um from uh from Gary um wanting G'day, to know Gary. Yeah, yeah, Gary. G'day, is Gary. it normal for my bulldog puppy to snore? Oh, well, for a bulldog, yeah, <laughs> yes, 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 they um, snore. Yep. Now, yep. uh, next question. And, uh, <laughs> I guess the um the the main reason for for bringing up this question now is that uh, we're trying to line up a, an interview with uh, Dr. Phil Moses, a um a, a, a prominent specialist surgeon up in Queensland, who um is very passionate about uh, about brachycephalic dogs, and so I thought we could uh, maybe uh, parlay this question, Gary, um for the couple of weeks when we interview Phil and uh, and see what he reckons. Fantastic, mate! That's awesome. He's a he's a, a leading uh, leading the profession on the on the brachycephalic stuff, apart from. Uh, 
apart from another vet that I can think of, but he's the certainly the the, the leader. I'm sure we know who, who, I'm, who I'm thinking of. Yes, yes yeah, we won't yeah, mention, yeah. won't mention, but he's actually qualified. Philip yeah, Moser, yeah. he's a specialist, um, and uh, that's a great question from Gary that we can put to Phil. That uh, that when do you worry about your brachycephalic dog, your bulldog, your French bulldog, your Boston Terrier? Uh, even your Cavalier King Charles. Cavaliers, yep. When do you worry about that snoring and when is it a problem and what should you do about it? I love it, mate. This is great. Yeah. So so if you've got questions about uh, about brachycephalic dogs, say you're thinking about getting a brachycephalic and you're, you know, because your kids have been reading the pig, the pug books for the last six years and they just think pugs. that, that yes. pugs are pugs are just so cute and beautiful and um and you want to get one. Don't. Um, it, it, well, <laughs> you know, spoilers. Um <laughs> If you've if you've got any questions, so we're we're hoping to interview Phil in the next couple of weeks. So if you can get your questions in in the next week, uh, we'd love to put them to uh, to Philip. And uh, yeah, well, uh, it should be a good interview. Yeah, well, maybe maybe you want to know how do you know if your puppy that you're going to pick up is uh, is at risk of having problems with the snoring or before you even bought it or what things you should be asking the breeder or anything like that. Fantastic, that'd be mm. some really good questions. Love it, mate. Good stuff. Trying to trying to trying to keep our, our podcast as relevant as what we can. Lewis, you know, exactly. trying to get to try and tap the the brain's trust of the industry. Yeah, exactly. So not not getting that other vet that uh, the local one that's um, an expert, self proclaimed. Not getting that one. No, no, no. All no right, we might, move we might, on. We, we, we'll, we'll, just, we'll, we'll see if we can get all the uh, get all of our information that we need from Phil, and then we'll we'll go from there. I'm sure we can. Phil is a very yeah, knowledgeable yeah. guy. Alrighty, guys. So if you got any questions, please hit us up. Uh, but hey, um, oh, I was going to say my email address then. <laughs> That's how flustered I am today. Two vets talk pets at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. Uh, we're sometimes on Zoom when we can organize time, uh, organize it to work. Uh, when, when, when Lewis can get his daughter in to, to push the magic button and make thank, it all work. Thank goodness she was here. Instagram, uh, TikTok, I don't know, everything. But uh, Patreon, uh, go to Patreon, support us. Um, but I reckon that's pretty well a wrap, mate. We're done. You can switch that button back off, mate, and and, and mute yourself. I will do. I'm off to the sunny beach in my background. Scratch you later. (laughs) Peace out, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at VetBehaviorist. And more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.